Well, good morning, everybody. All right. Just again, I like to know what, uh, what I'm dealing with in the room. How many got the doctor recommended eight hours of sleep last night? Show of hands. All right. A little bit better than the night before. How many are far below that uh, for today? Okay. I'm watching you. I'm watching you guys. Uh, I, I, I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. And he writes this. He says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And here's why. How we see God, how we understand who God is, and more importantly, who God has revealed himself to be, will directly affect how we see ourselves. The way that we see God, the way we understand who God is, actually helps us define who we are, and even more importantly than that, why we are. The deep questions of life, the big questions that we ponder, who am I, why am I here, are first and foremost answered by answering the question, who is God? And when we understand that we were created not out of boredom by God, it wasn't like God was just sitting around going, man, you know what? I'm pretty lonely. I think I'll just create the universe so that I'm not all alone. God has always been in community. God is three and yet one, one and yet Three, we weren't created out of boredom. We were created out of this overflowing love that God had experienced for all eternity. We weren't created so that God could receive love, but so that God could share love with us and, and through us. Now, I want to ask you a question, quick survey. How many here you would say, you know what, Robert, if I'm being honest, I, I think I would like a little more blessing in my life. Just raise your hand if you would like more blessing in your life. Okay. Yeah, me. Hopefully all of us. I mean, that's blessing by its very nature. is a good thing. Okay. How, ma how many here you would say, you know what, Robert, I wish, I wish I could experience more joy in my life. Just raise your hand. A little participation here. Okay. Hopefully that's all of us. Some of you might be asleep, which Jesus took naps. So go ahead. It's a very spiritual thing that you can do. It's fine. But if you want more blessing, you want more joy in your life, Jesus is actually going to teach us how to experience more of both of those things. Jesus teaches us how to experience that because Jesus understands who God is. Now, I grew up in church, and I thought I had a pretty good idea of who God was. And I even learned some big words about God. And if you've been around church, maybe you've heard these words. I heard that God was omnipotent. Omnipotent meaning all-powerful. I heard that, that God was omniscient, meaning that he is all-knowing. You can't surprise God. There's nothing that God's like, ooh, I never knew that. He knows all things. And that, that God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere all the time at all times. He exists beyond all creation. There's nowhere you can go to hide from God. He's everywhere. And so in my mind, I understood these three omnis about God. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere. And my view of God was, okay, so he's really powerful, which is true. All of those things that I said about God just now, those are, those are true about God, but there was something missing from my understanding of who God was. And, and what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you, because it helps you define who you are and also why you are. But here's the beautiful thing. God has revealed so much of who he is to us, and specifically through the person of Jesus. So if you want to know what God is like, this eternal being who's existed for all eternity, this omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. You want to know what that God is like, you look at Jesus. 
The Bible teaches Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus reveals some things about the nature of God that growing up in church, I kind of missed about who God was. Jesus reveals some things about the nature of God. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Daughters, if this will help you remember it, Jesus is God with a bod, okay? God in the flesh. And Jesus, in John chapter 13, John writes that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So here, Jesus, in his all-powerfulness, what does he do? Now, imagine for a second, just, you don't have to say this out loud, but in your mind right now, I want you to think about this question. If you had all the power, if you had all the power in the universe, what would you do with that power? Like, just think about it in your mind. Like, what would you do if you had all power, all authority to do whatever you wanted. Like, I would come up with some pretty cool stuff. Probably some superpowers. I'm not going to lie. I'd probably fly. I'd fly. Okay, so, so think about that in your mind. What would you do with all power? Here's what it says. John writes, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. So what does Jesus do? He gets up and he takes a towel. He takes off his outer garments and he, he wraps a towel around his waist, the Bible teaches us. And he goes around and he stoops down and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And he, he uses the towel that's wrapped around him to dry their feet. Now, you don't have to answer this out loud. How many of, of you here, all power, all authority, you would wash feet? What is Jesus doing here? He's teaching us who God is. He's teaching us the very nature of, of God, that God is love, and love is action-oriented, and Jesus is choosing in this moment with all power and all authority to humble himself to serve those around him. He's teaching a new way to love, and he gets done, and he washes the disciples' feet, which, by the way, he's washing Judas's feet, who would betray him. Jesus knew that. He's washing Peter's feet, who would deny him. Jesus knew that. It wasn't that these disciples had earned this honor. Jesus was giving it freely, even though they didn't deserve it. And he gets up after he's done washing their feet, and Peter kind of gave him a hard time, but eventually Peter's like, okay, Jesus, you can do it. And then Jesus says, I have set you an example for you to follow. Jesus says, I've modeled something for you. And then he says this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, now that you know these things, that, that here's the example, that we are to serve one another, that we are to love one another. By the way, the world's going to know that I am from God, Jesus says, because of your love for one another. The world's going to know that God sent me. The world's going to turn their faith to me because of your love for one another. I've set you an example. Now that you know these things, which is half the battle, right? Knowledge is half the battle, but Jesus says it doesn't end there. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If you choose to serve others, if you choose to follow the example that I have given you, you will be blessed. I asked how many of you want more blessing in life. The way you experience that is through serving others. 
It's not our natural go-to. It's not what we would think, okay, that's how I experience blessing. But Jesus says, no, 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 watch, try it. You will experience blessing. You will be blessed if you do these things. And Jesus in this moment, he is teaching and he is modeling a different kind of love. There are different kinds of love in the Bible. In fact, we use one word for love. So some of you this weekend, you've looked at your dad and you've said, dad, I love you. In fact, right now, daughters, look at your dad. And would you just say the words, I love you. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful sound. Dad, look at your daughter or your daughters, and would you tell them right now, I love you. All right, now if this is true of you, go ahead and just say it out loud. I love grilled cheese sandwiches. <laughs> okay, so for some reason you said that with way more passion uh, than, than you did to, to each other. But here's the deal. We use the exact same word. When we say, dad, I love you, or daughter, I love you, as we do for I love grilled cheese sandwiches. In English, we just use the word love. But in Greek, which your New Testament is written in Greek, there are different words for love. There's eros, which means romantic love. There's storge, which this is like a, a parental love for a child. There's phileo, which is a brotherly love. But Jesus is teaching a different kind of love. He is teaching the kind of love that God has experienced for all eternity. We call it agape love. And agape love is unconditional, meaning you don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You don't have to work for it, but it is given. It is a divine, meaning a God kind of love. And in this moment that Jesus wraps this towel around his waist and washes the disciples' feet, he's teaching them agape love. He's teaching them a new way to love. See, we understood the other three. Those come kind of naturally to us. But this kind of love, this is a kind of love that we have to learn how to receive from God and then give it away to others. How many of you, you've ever, you've ever walked in the light of like a beautiful sunrise? Just raise your hand if you've ever walked in the light of a sunrise. Okay, how many of you have ever walked in the light of a sunset and you've just enjoyed the beauty of a sunset? I know we're in California, a lot of you are on the coast, beautiful sunsets. How many of you have ever walked under starlight and seen the starlight? Okay, that's, that's great. How many of you have ever walked under the moonlight? No, you haven't. Because you realize the moon doesn't actually produce any light. All you've done is you've actually walked under starlight that was reflected off of the moon. Does this make sense? So the sun, sh the sun that's hard to say, shines onto the moon. The moon reflects that light onto the earth. So we're actually walking under the sunlight, just reflected off of the moon. And the reason I bring that up is you and I, as followers of Jesus, we're like the moon. And our job is to learn to receive the light of the sun, the love of God into our lives, and then let that reflect out onto the world around us. That we are not the source of that light, God is the source of that light, but we are meant to be a reflection of that in the world around us. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, I want you to reflect my light. I've set you an example. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then Jesus goes on in John 15. Verse nine, he says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now Jesus teaches us the 
fourth characteristic of God I want us to walk away with today. So yes, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere all the time. He is also omnibenevolent, meaning that God is all-loving. It's the very nature of who he is. When asked the greatest commandment, Jesus says, love God, love people. Every dark moment in church history, you realize this, if you think back over the last 2,000 years, every dark moment in church history is a moment that we abandon this principle that Jesus taught us. That we stopped loving the people around us. That we became more in love with our preferences than we did about the people who God put before us. That our job is to reflect his love to all people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what's been done to them with an agape kind of love, an unconditional kind of love. It is through receiving and sharing agape love, by the way, that we join into the dance, that we join this eternal dance. Jesus then says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, meaning all the way up to the brim, all the way up to the very fullness of full. Jesus says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says, I tell you all of this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I asked you, how many of you want more joy in your life? And it was pretty unanimous. Jesus says, this is how you do it. And then in case you're wondering, what is Jesus's command? Verse 12, he reiterates, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Meaning, in the same way in which I have loved you, Jesus says, that's how you're to love one another. Not in just kind of our natural, yeah, this comes easy, yeah, this person's nice to me, or this is a family member, so I'm gonna love them. But no, in the way that Jesus has loved us, that's how we're to love others. So how has Jesus loved us? One, he's loved us unconditionally. If you're thinking, man, but yeah, Robert, I could love that person, but they don't really deserve it. Well, neither did you or me, yet God loved us. Jesus loves unconditionally. He loves patiently. Maybe you've given up on somebody thinking they'll never change and showing love is just a a complete waste of time. Jesus is patient in his love. Sacrificially, you realize love requires sacrifice, which is why at the very center of the Bible, the very center of the narrative of God's love for humanity is this massive sacrifice talked about it last night. Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice for our sin, he gave everything. The kind of love Jesus loves us with is an attentive love. He gives us attention. I was talking to my daughter, Emma. She's 10. And I said, Emma, how do you know that somebody loves you? And she goes, they say I love you? Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. But Emma, how how else would you know that that somebody loves you? And she paused for a second and she just kind of thought, And she goes, well, they give you attention. They pay attention to you. They show you attention. And I thought, my daughter is a brilliant theologian. It's so true. What we give our attention to, that's a way that we demonstrate our love. And you realize when, when Jesus is on the cross, which the word excruciating comes from crucifixion, comes from being on the cross. I started studying that that moment that Jesus is on the cross and what I found fascinating is that he pays attention to everybody else around him. All the dads in the room, you've experienced something that I've experienced, it happens once in a while. Uh, Only only dads can get this, it's called a man cold. 
Daughters, you'll never understand what a man cold is. It only happens to dads. It's like a cold, but we're a lot more whiny about it. Yeah, you've heard, yeah, you've experienced, yeah, you've seen this firsthand. Okay. When I have a man cold, do you know who I think about? Me. I'm not thinking about anybody else because I'm uncomfortable. Jesus is on the cross. And do you know what Jesus does when he's on the cross? He prays for the people who are crucifying him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He engages with the thief on the cross next to him. In fact, he, he leads the thief on the cross to salvation, to faith in him. He's paying attention to the needs all around him. He is hanging on a cross, and yet he's paying attention to the people crucifying him, to the thief next to him. And then he turns his attention to his mother and to his friend, the only disciple who was there at the crucifixion. Everybody else had scattered, and he, he, he makes sure that, that her needs are taken care of while he's dying on a cross. And he says to his friend, okay, now this is your mother. You're going to take care of her. And says to his mom, okay, this is now your son. And, and you guys are going to be a family together because I'm going somewhere where you can't go with me right now. And he takes care of their needs. And he's thinking, it says that the joy set before him is why he, he went to Jerusalem, why he endured the cross. He was thinking of you. He was paying attention to you in that moment when I would just be thinking about myself. He's paying attention to everybody else. That's what love does. Love pays attention to those around us. Foreshadowing that moment that was about to come, we continue in John 15, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. What God is doing in the world today involves all three persons of the Trinity. God sends the Son, and then Jesus says, hey, it's better that I go because I'm going to send a helper for you. So Jesus ascends into heaven. He tells the believers to wait in Jerusalem. They're there, they're praying, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. So the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit. Everybody's filled with the Spirit. When you say yes to following Jesus, God moves within your life. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, and now the Spirit sends the church. We're part of this dance. The Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, the Spirit sends the church. So here's what we do. We go and we represent Jesus in the world, how do we represent Jesus? Number one, we spend time with Jesus. If you wanna represent Jesus, you spend time with him because when you spend time with somebody, they begin to rub off on you. You become more and more like them. So we spend time with Jesus. We do that several ways. One, when we gather together like this and we open up God's word, we learn about Jesus. All the Bible ultimately points to the person of Jesus. You spend time in prayer and you you wait on God. God, would you speak to me? God, would you guide me? Instead of just talking, pausing, and listening, sometimes God speaks through a whisper. You spend time with Jesus in the word. You spend time with Jesus when you listen to the whisper. You spend time with Jesus when we worship together, when we gather together like this, and in our hearts, and in our minds, and with our voices, and with our bodies, we put all of our focus and our attention back on the God who created us, and we worship as a community. We are spending time with Jesus. When we serve others, Jesus says, when you serve others, you're actually doing that to me. 
When you care for those who are hungry, you're, you're actually feeding me. When you give water to those who are thirsty, you're actually giving water to me. When you visit me in prison, you're visiting me. Jesus says all of that is actually spending time with me. When we serve in the name of Jesus, and then we spend time with Jesus when we receive wisdom from those that God has put around us. Daughters, your dads have experienced some things in life, and with experience often comes wisdom. One of the ways that we spend time Getting to know Jesus, understanding who he is, is by listening to the wisdom of those around us, godly others, including our fathers, including others in our our church communities. So we spend time with Jesus. Number two, we learn the ways of Jesus. What did Jesus teach? What did he model? How did he think? What were Jesus' priorities? And then third, here we go. You do what Jesus would do if he were you. You do what Jesus would do if he were you. Now, Jesus was in a unique scenario, so you go, okay, if Jesus were me, if Jesus were a daughter in this family, how would Jesus respond in this situation? Dads, if Jesus were working in the workplace in which you work, how would Jesus handle that business deal? How would Jesus lead that relationship? How would Jesus guide that marriage? What would Jesus do if he were you? And you feel like, I don't know what to do with... How do I get to know what Jesus would do if, if you were me? Ready? You spend time with Jesus. You learn the ways of Jesus. And that cycle continues. And we, like the moon, we reflect the light of the sun. And Jesus says, when you do, you are the salt of the earth. You preserve. You are the light of the world. You guide. And you will be blessed. The Christian life, practically speaking, here's what it's all about. And dads and daughters, I, I challenge you. I challenge myself with this that we would not lose sight of it. The Christian life is this, we learn to receive the love, the mercy, the grace of Jesus in our lives, agape love, and then we give it away to others. That's it. If I could oversimplify, Jesus says, if you were to take all the law, all the prophets, here it is, you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so as we leave the retreat, this weekend, as we wrap up our time together, I, I want to end where we began. Here, here's, what, here's what I believe is that God is love. And what he's calling us to do is to learn more about his love for us and then to grow in sharing that love with others. That's what life is all about. It's about relationships, and relationships are built on choosing to love the way Jesus has loved us. I want to pray a blessing over you, um, and I, as I do that, I'm going to ask the dads that you would do something. Dads, would you just put a, a hand on a daughter's shoulder? And dad, as I pray a blessing, I want you just in your own heart, in your own mind, would you pray this blessing over your daughters? This is the blessing that God teaches Joshua to bless the people of Israel with. And the blessing goes like this, dads, would you pray again in your hearts and minds for your daughters? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.